The New Orleans Saints dynamic trio of wide receivers is set, and it's so good that if it's asked to be a dynamic duo, they'll still win games. We get all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Friday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss the latest episodes. And of course, you can continue the conversation with me one-on-one over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on Saints. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media. You can find me over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, and then some on Locked on Saints. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, it's Friday, so it's in case you missed it day, so we'll get you caught up on all the biggest stories from around the New Orleans Saints this week. We'll also see some video clips myself kind of going back and forth with Elante Taylor talking about his adjustments in learning a little bit about the slot in terms of his cross training. We're also going to hear from Dennis Allen on John Gruden and get you caught up from some of the biggest stories from this week for the Saints. But first, I want to start off with the New Orleans Saints dynamic trio at wide receiver, which is set. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Rashid Shahid, the New Orleans Saints, who brought in a new quarterback this offseason and Derek Carr, have absolutely built an offense that has the skill position players on paper that should be able to help to support their new quarterback. Now, they've also helped out the quarterback with tight ends, re-signing Juwan Johnson, bringing in Foster Moreau, potentially a couple of other additions that are going to uh, that could potentially contribute there as well. Sounded like Porky Pig there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, at the running back spot, not only do you have Alvin Kamara, but Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, all of that. So the Saints have done a wonderful job in terms of putting together the roster when it comes to skill position players. Now, what do these guys all look like on the field? That remains to be seen. But in terms of what the Saints have done at wide receiver, they're in a really, really good place. And the thing that I like about what they've done is that they didn't sit back and say, okay, job's done. Got three great wide receivers. Michael Thomas is probably going to be healthy all season. We're just going to bank on that and everything's going to be great. No, they didn't do that. They went out and they got Brian Edwards. They went out and they got James Washington. went out, they drafted A.T. Perry. They signed Shaq Davis. There's a bunch of different ways that the Saints have shown you that, okay, they want to be safeguarded just in case things don't fully work out. I mean, Michael Thomas has played only 10 games in the last three seasons. So to expect him to play more than 10 games in a single season is a lot of confidence. And you have to have a lot of confidence around all of that. But you also have to be prepared just in case that's not the case. And we would hate to see that from Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas would hate that. He wants to be out on the field. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But the good news for New Orleans, at least, is that even if they end up having to be without Michael Thomas for a stretch of games, a single game, a play, whatever it might be, they're still in a really good position with their dynamic duo of Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. Both wide receivers had the goal over the course of the offseason to get bigger, to bulk up a bit. I spoke with Chris Olave off camera and asked him a little bit about his uh, playing weight and how things were going for him over the course of the offseason. He finished last season listed on the New Orleans Saints website at around 187 pounds, but now he's up to 192. He said he's not fully finished yet. He's still trying to get 
a little bit more there, but not really trying to get into the 200 range. And it seems that that's also a goal for his fellow wide receiver and compliment in Rashid Shaheed. Here's a little bit about what Rashid Shaheed said he wants to do to improve over the course of this offseason. Um, I would say just getting bigger, faster, stronger, and also my knowledge of the game. Um, I feel I can improve a lot, and that's going to come with you know film study and uh, getting with my quarterbacks and you know, breaking down film and just getting on the same page. So you heard him say bigger, faster, stronger, bigger, better, stronger, and you know he's already fast. He's got the speed. So uh, Mike Triplett followed up on that question from over at NewOrleans.Football and asked, what is he playing at or what is he hoping to play at over the course of uh, this season? And so his season playing weight that he has a desire to be at is going to be uh, 185 pounds was the answer that he gave. I'm pulling up where he's at right now because I completely forgot to pull that up before. So peek behind the curtain at how weird Ross can be sometimes. So he was at 180 pounds listed on the team's website there. So we're talking about a difference of five pounds for both of these guys, which might not sound like a lot. But if you're able to put on five pounds of bulk, if you're able to put on five pounds of muscle that complements strength without surrendering your speed, that's still a better place to be than you were before. And it has a larger impact that I think we would think off the top of our heads. Oh, how big of a deal is five pounds? Well, I think the better question is how big of a deal is it to not be five pounds lighter? I think that's really the way to look at this. Any amount of weight and strength and power that these guys can put on while maintaining their speed, agility, quickness, that's a win for both of them. And to see that both of them have had that realization, have uh, been in a situation where they've gone, you know, Rashid even said at one point later on in that conversation that uh, being in the NFL and being a small guy, you, you can't take hits. And so he's wanting to bulk up so that he'll be able to do that. And I think that that shows uh, in terms of what it is that he has shown so far during OTAs is that he's not just a deep threat. And here's where the idea of having that weight added, being bigger, being stronger, ends up having a, a, a larger impact is that I think sometimes we think about Rashid Jaheed just in terms of what he can do down the field. But we're also watching him at OTAs running these crossing routes, running digs, running comebacks, running curls, doing all these things that are going to put him in situations where he's going to get hit and catch the ball over the middle field and potentially see him get a lot more work in the slot this offseason. If the Saints don't address that position, you're going to see a lot of mixing and matching between him, Chris Olave, and Michael Thomas all taking slot snaps. And so because of that, you're going to have to fight through traffic. You're going to have to be able to, to weave in and out of you know oncomers, onlookers, all those other things, and take some hits over the middle every now and then as well and not put the ball on the ground. And that becomes such a big, big, big benefit of putting on that strength, putting on that power, putting on that weight and that bulk is that it helps you be able to get that done. And trust me, Rashid Jaheed is no slower. He's <laughs> no slower. Uh, and he is only just as fast as he was last year. And, and we've seen it already out on the field. And so you add that weight, you add that bulk, you continue to build the responsibilities. And every time you talk to Rashid Jaheed, one of the things he always talks about is the mental side of the game film study, understanding the playbook, learning it, being able to actually answer questions for some of the young guys now. And he's only a year in. And remember, he's a year in and didn't get a full season last year. He only played in like 10 games or something like that last year. And so you look at where he is and how he, yeah, I think it was exactly 10 games. He had 407 yards, it was 40.7 yards per game. And so that's a weird way to remember how many games he had. But anyway, um, so if you take that and if he's able to do exactly what he did last year on a 17 game basis, then he's teasing 700 yards and that's not including that's just receiving that's not including what he's also been able to do as a jet sweep guy as a you know what they might 
look to do with him in on you know the reverse game and screen game and all these other things, some stuff that might crown, count towards his rushing totals as opposed to his passing or receiving totals. And so there's all of these different ways now that New Orleans is probably going to be able to utilize him if the three wide receivers can stay healthy. And so that dynamic trio of Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Rashid Shahid, if they get double-digit games out of those guys, all three of them on the field, and it doesn't turn into a New Orleans Saints secondary of 2022, who the intended starting five never took a single snap together all season, if that doesn't happen with these three guys at wide receiver on the offensive side, that's huge for New Orleans and even bigger for Derek Carr. And I just want to mention too, Rashid Shahid also had his uh, comments on Derek Carr as well. And one of the things that he mentioned was that he can put the ball anywhere. So the idea of expanding the route tree, growing a little bit more in terms of the distribution of where these players are and you know what routes they run and how they're deployed and what concepts are utilized, maybe that opportunity becomes a lot more expanded now that you've got a second year or another full off, or really Rashid Tahid's first full offseason, because remember, he was still rehabbing his knee last year at this point and through the majority of training camp. And so you get a full offseason for Rashid Tahid. You get a second year for Chris Olave. Hopefully you get a healthy Michael Thomas. And now all of a sudden you add on top of that the ability to be able to attack more layers, more areas of the field than you were able to with Andy Dalton, not being able to get Jameis Winston out on the field. Then all of a sudden, this changes your entire offense. And a big part of how the New Orleans Saints wanted to change their offense is not only incorporating and continuing to evolve their version of Sean Payton's system, but reincorporating some things from 2011, reincorporating some things from 2009, and bringing some things that are familiar for Derek Carr. That's why the John Gruden visit and consultation happened. And although it did spark a little bit of backlash from uh, some media as well as fans, uh, it doesn't seem that the Saints are too bothered by it at all and feel that it will have uh, a bit of a benefit and potentially move the needle a bit for their offense. We'll hear what Dennis Allen had to say about the visit, why it happened, and how he feels that it will benefit the team as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, number America's number one sportsbook, and of course, our official sportsbook partner here at the Locked on Podcast Network. And over with the NFL as well. So if you want to get in on some of those New Orleans Saints odds, FanDuel is absolutely the place to do it. And if you're a first-time user of FanDuel, you're going to be able to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That is a lot of bucks. That's bonus bets to come back to if your first bet doesn't win, which means you're effectively safeguarded on that first bet. So go crazy. You want to bet for the New Orleans Saints to win the conference? Go for it. You want to bet for the New Orleans Saints to win the Super Bowl? Go for it. Or maybe you just want to bet on the division or maybe the first game, uh, Derek Carr over 4,000 and a half passing yards, under 4,000 and a half passing yards, whatever your very, very, very first bet is with FanDuel as a new customer. If you head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on, you're going to be able to get that no sweat first bet of up to $2,500 in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. So go and check them out today. Once again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to qualify for the no sweat first bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Dennis Allen spoke to New Orleans media after the second practice that media was present for on Tuesday when it came to OTAs. And he was asked specifically around John Gruden or about John Gruden, the visit, all of those things. So we're going to look at that as well as get you caught up on all of the biggest stories from around the New Orleans Saints from this week. Appreciate you as always being a Locked on Saints, your first listen of the day. 
everyday and all the everydayers out there. We'll be back with you on Monday as we preview what we want to learn from the offense for the third practice that Saints media will be uh, available for and present for when it comes to OTAs. Just a heads up, I will not be in town for mandatory minicants, but I'll make sure that we have a guest that can come through to help us get all of the observations and things like that. It'll probably be John Hendricks from uh, over at uh, Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's foundation with me. So um, so we'll be taking a look at that as well during minicants, but that's in the middle of June, uh, but just as an early heads up uh, for folks. So I want to take a look now at um, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen was asked about the John Gruden visit. This is from Kat Terrell over at ESPN. Great question. Just around why the New Orleans Saints brought in John Gruden, what they feel like the benefit is or what the impact is. And so let's first, before we kind of dive into this, as I've made sort of my position and stance on this pretty clear, let's hear from the other perspective of this, from the the organization, from the team, about why they felt that this would be beneficial. Number one, we, we, we've had several coaches come uh, and visit. Obviously, John's a guy that uh, has a lot of experience with Derek. Um, and Derek's had his most success uh, under John Gruden. And so uh, we felt like bringing him in, uh, having a chance to sit down and, and uh, visit with him as an offensive staff, with quarterbacks, uh, and just get some new thoughts and ideas, things that we might be able to implement. Um, you know, I would say this. I would say, you know, offensively for a long time uh, that I've been here, uh, we've, been, we've been pretty effective offensively. Uh, and so uh, I don't see us putting in a whole new offense or doing something dramatic. But, you know, if there's a few ideas that we could take from that, uh, we felt like that would be beneficial. So the idea is basically he comes in, he consults, he meets with the offensive staff, he meets with the quarterbacks, things like that. And then if there's something that the Saints want to incorporate, then they will incorporate it. But just so you know, uh, Kat followed this up with the question around, are you concerned about backlash? And basically Dennis Allen was like, effectively said no, like not really worried about the backlash. Look, we're going to do whatever it takes to, you know, give us an edge and and see what we can do. So it was very like football based for Dennis Allen and for the New Orleans Saints. And no surprise in, in terms of like that being being the approach at all. That's the approach that they would more than likely take or that any NFL franchise would take in that situation. And so the benefit of bringing in a John Gruden is that you get somebody in who can give you some feedback in terms of how they helped to create a very successful Derek Carr, and you're looking to create a very successful Derek Carr, so bam, bam, there's your overlap. And you know there were other guys that they could have gone to, or there, there weren't other guys that they could have gone to, is what I mean to say, because you look at quarterbacks, coaches, as well as, um, as, well as previous offensive coordinators. Uh, you can't bring any of those guys in. You can't bring Sean Payton back because he's the Denver Broncos head coach to help you look over your previous offense. You can't bring Tom Condon in. He's busy across the country. You know, so John Gruden was the guy that they that they brought in. And as much as I do think that there's controversy there, and or not controversy, but certainly conflict there and everything for the Saints, it, it's not like they're employing him. It's not like they're giving him a new job. It's not like they're saying, okay, here you go. Welcome back to the NFL or whatever. And it's, can they find a way to benefit off of this? So then that becomes the the next piece to it all is can you find a way to benefit off of all of this and make sure that this is uh, worth your while so we'll just kind of have to wait and see uh, is there something that we see from this New Orleans Saints offense at any point in 2023 that they go yeah that happened because we brought in John Gruden and he gave you know a pretty good uh, piece here and that was the thing that that we utilized so I could see them moving a portion of that Las Vegas Raiders playbook in and maybe adding some pieces to their offense 
But as Dennis Allen said, they feel that their offense is more than adequate. So don't expect a big time overhaul in John Gruden's vision just because he showed up for like three days. So that's the way that uh, I'd still look at this the same way. Was it worth bringing him in if you're not really going to take too much from it? And maybe it is, maybe it won't be. All right, let's get to in case you missed it. Uh, That was kind of an in case you missed it for you too, that the Saints brought in John Gruden as a consult to help with the offensive transition to Derek Carr. Uh, Basically, the three pillars of that are uh, maintaining the things that they want to do differently and evolving Sean Payton's system into their own system, bringing back some things from previous more Drew Breesian uh, 2011, you know, earlier portions of the offense, but then also incorporating some concepts, schemes, systems, things like that, that uh, Derek Carr is familiar with from his Raiders days. Uh, also, in case you missed it, the Saints made two big signings and they waived uh, one folk, one person, one folk, one person as well. Uh, they waived kicker uh, Alex Caveda. They brought in uh, tight end Jesse James, as well as fullback Jake Vargas as well. So the Saints keeping the fullback position alive. You know that we love that here on Locked on Saints. And in continuing to add to their tight end room, the tight end room is is, is getting a little curious, getting a little 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 question marky, uh, and and all not because it's unstable or anything like that, or or because it's not good enough or anything like that. It's just you're kind of just looking at the numbers now. You've got Juwan Johnson, you've got Foster Moreau, you've got Lucas Kroll. All three of those guys are participating at OTAs, but Miller Forrestal has not been able to participate just yet, and Taysom Hill has not been present. So they bring in Jesse James, and maybe that just gives you a fourth body to get involved a little bit more, since all three of those top wide uh, top tight ends. Otherwise, you're taking those first team reps. You want some guys for second, third teams and without overworking the you know tight ends and especially with the way that Saints use like zebra technologies and stuff like that to make sure that they're not overworking players and that they're keeping them safe. Maybe Jesse James uh, factors into that. But I got to tell you, I wouldn't I wouldn't, you know, uh, shake a stick at this guy. I wouldn't dismiss this guy as somebody that could potentially win a roster spot or end up uh, as a vet on the practice squad. Either way would actually be pretty good for New Orleans. Uh, the Saints and Texans are going to hold joint practices here in New Orleans ahead of their preseason games. The Saints will hold joint practices for two different teams. They'll hold joint practices with the Chargers in, uh, it'll be in, I'll just call it Southern California because they'll play in uh, Los Angeles, well, they play in Los Angeles, but then they'll practice down in Orange County and Costa Mesa. Uh, so they'll be in Southern California for that week. And then uh, they'll come back here and then the Texans, they'll host the Texans here. So that's great because the Saints will get a little bit more of those sort of unfamiliar faces, unfamiliar pass rushing attacks, unfamiliar, you know, moves from some of these other guys that they're not practicing against every single day. Um, And that adds a lot of benefit. We saw how much the team uh, across the roster loved the joint practices last year with Green Bay. Now they get to do it twice uh, with two different teams uh, this offseason. So that's going to be really, really nice. Um, The Saints on Thursday, this is really cool. inducted Jabari Greer into the Saints Hall of Fame, spent five years with the New Orleans Saints, unfortunately had a, uh, it was huge for them during their Super Bowl run in 2009. He had uh, a really stellar season throughout most, and he had an injury that that knocked him out that year, but then he came back for this playoff run, broke up like three passes during that time, had eight tackles in the Super Bowl. He was uh, a huge part of what they did. I think he also returned uh, an interception for a touchdown that year, had two picks that season. And so uh, not in the postseason, but during the regular season. And, uh, you know, played 63 games with the New Orleans Saints and broke up 68 passes. So he was breaking up at least a pass a game uh, in terms of on average or more than a pass a game on average. So uh, really cool to see Jabari Greer get his flowers there. He had that ACL injury at the end of 2013, uh, if I I recall correctly. And then he um, uh, announced his retirement that next offseason after 10 full years in the NFL, but five with the New Orleans Saints. So really, really cool. Uh, You know, it's a great story. And uh, Jabari Greer absolutely deserves this. So 
Uh, welcome to the hall, Jabari. That's awesome. Uh, and key, uh, the last piece I want to mention here is Kirk Merritt. Kirk Merritt, the uh, Destrahan native, uh, who is uh, formerly a wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, maybe making a move to running back. I, I spoke with Joel Thomas uh, one-on-one during uh, or, or following OTA practice on Tuesday, and he you know, told me that Kirk Merritt has spent the entire offseason as well as OTAs in the running back room with him as opposed to with the wide receivers. And this is a transition that the Saints kind of teased and played around with during training camp last year. But now, especially with Kendra, with Alvin Kamara not present for OTAs, Kendra Miller not able to participate, you know, Benjamin not able to participate, getting Kirk Merritt in that running back room and allowing him to be able to be a part of what they're doing uh, is great. And so we'll see what happens with Kirk Merritt. Maybe he gets a little bit of a Ty Montgomery role, whether that's on the active roster or practice squad, where he holds one roster spot, but it gives you depth in two different places. Plus, don't forget, he's also a good special teams contributor, had that 59-yard kick return uh, against the Green Bay Packers in last year's preseason as well. Um, the other piece of news for you is that Alante Taylor has been getting run in the slot. So coming up next, you're going to hear a little bit of my back and forth with Alante during his media availability. I've got four question and answers that that he and I toss back and forth with one another um, that kind of give you a little bit of a glimpse into uh, why why the nickel thing is happening. Um, his first impressions of Joe Woods, a little bit of talk on that swagger, handshakes, dancing stuff that Dennis Allen wants. And then of course, what it is that are the hurdles for him as he's learning his new position. We'll wrap up the show with that as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it to that nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. We're going to do something a little bit different today, a way that I've never really done this before. If you hate it, please tell me. Uh, but what I'm going to do here is I'm I'm just really going to play a back and forth. It's about one and a half minutes, maybe two minutes uh, of Alante Taylor and I. I asked like four questions during his media availability, and I thought it would be interesting to just kind of roll some of those things so that you kind of have the full context of my questions as well as his answers and, and and things like that. And the the focus was early on on his sort of transition, not transition, because he's not changing positions. He's just kind of cross-training, but cross-training in the nickel. What are some of the, 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 the hurdles that he has? What are some of the things that he has to, you know, change or that he has to learn that's new? Um, and the challenges that are presented with moving from the outside to the inside. But then I also spoke with him about the coaching staff and things like that. And the representation on the coaching staff of secondary coaches. Uh, you're going to hear him reference M-Rob. That's uh, Marcus Robertson, the new defensive backs coach that the Saints brought in, who was like, pivotal in Charles Woodson's transition back in the day with the Raiders from corner to safety. Now, don't get me wrong. Charles Woodson is a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He was already that, uh, and he had a lot of talent, but Marcus Robertson really helped him with that transition to not falling off when he went to safety, but playing extremely well uh, when he went to safety as well. So here's what Alante and I talked about. You'll hear my questions so you also have the full context of uh, uh, of what's going on between our conversation. But the first question uh, to from me to him was just about the transition and how how different it is going from the outside corner spot to the inside in the slot. Uh, it's a big difference, man. I'm I'm talking about I'm out there making mistakes and uh, I'm kind of hard on myself right now about it because I kind of wish that I could just get it right now, but it's just not happening. So uh, just going to continue to watch tape, um, ask the coaches the questions, and I have guys helping me out as well. Um, so. It's taking one day at a time. You know, it's just second week of OTAs, but I know by the time it really matters, I'll be where I need to be. What's one of the biggest differences for you while you're on that spot? The biggest difference? Yeah, yeah, like one um, of the biggest differences that you're adjusting to. Really just understanding the fronts um, and understanding, like, where your help's at more. Uh, yeah, I feel like you have more help um, in the slot than you do on the outside. So 
understanding where it helps at, um, and then really just understanding like fronts and where the linebackers are going to be, when to bump, when not to bump, motion, when not to run with motion, just stuff like that. What's some of your early impressions on Joe Woods? Uh, you mentioned him a little bit earlier. Um, he's very detailed. Uh, he's big on technique, and that's what I like. I think technique is probably the most important thing, um, especially as a corner. So that and then, you know, him and uh, Coach Imrod, they, they work together really well as far as in the meeting room, on the practice field. So, so far, so good. Um, like I said, I can't wait for everybody else to get back, though, so we can have a full group together and just see kind of how we, we work. What's it like to have, you've got Dennis Allen, you've got Marcus Robertson, you've got Joe Woods. These are all secondary specialty guys. What's it like mm -hmm. to have that amount of representation on the coaching staff for your position? It's huge. You know, uh, they all have been around great players. Uh, they all know what it takes to be, like, some of the best, best like in your position. So it's big. Um, but at the end of the day, I always say, you know, I love playing for Coach Da. Um, just the swagger that he wants from us. And we talked about swagger last year, going into the Raiders game, and uh, you had practice already. And he's like, we need the handshakes. We need like guys dancing, moving around. It's good to play for a coach who lets you be yourself um, and just plays hard nosed defensive football. And you know, Coach Woods has success being a D coordinator. And uh, so just looking forward to what it looks like going into vet count. Which. Makes a ton of sense. You're looking forward to what it's going to be like going into vet camp and when everybody's there and everything and you go into training camp as well as mini camps because then he gets to scaffold, right? He gets to add some of that additional experience that he's picking up from the slot and how that helps him out from the outside. Um, you, know, you heard a little bit of what it's like in terms of the the struggle or not the struggle, but the challenge of transitioning to the, to the inside and, and what you have to learn. Uh, he mentioned like it's nice to have the extra sort of help because you have so many players that are you know on your back end there that, that can have your back. But the, the run fits, the run responsibilities, things like that are, are, are so massively different. And we know how active Alante Taylor has been in the run game and making plays in the backfield and things like that. That's such a core part of his game. And of course, a big emphasis for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I didn't do much cornerback scouting this year because I knew that the Saints weren't really going to go after a corner in the draft. It just didn't seem likely. Um, and so... I, I didn't really get to really dive into that position at all over the course of the offseason because I wanted to bring you more on the defensive line, wide receiver, the spots that we kind of knew that they were going to go. Um, I, I, I just think that with Alante, Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, all of these guys, the thing that goes unheralded about them is how much they additionally contribute as run stoppers and as tacklers, they're all solid tacklers. These aren't, he's going to come after me for saying this probably, but <laughs> these aren't Deion Sanders guys to where, you know, like they don't pay me to tackle, right? They, they pay me to cover and do this whole thing for these guys. Like they're very aware that they are also paid to go out there and tackle. And it's an unheralded part of their game and kind of an under, um, underappreciated part of their game, their ability to be able to contribute as those uh, run stoppers and helping out in the running game and in run support and all of that. So, you know, doing that from the nickel, you're even more in the the heat of it all in terms of having to be able to to make those quick plays, the running backs getting to you pretty quickly on those off tackle runs and things like that. How do you help support? How do you help not give up the sideline to the runner, keeping us keeping the runner in the middle of the field, all those things. And so there's so much difference in terms of the responsibilities from the outside to the inside, not just because of coverage, not just because of navigating traffic and those crossing routes and all the different sort of route tree expansions that you get from slot receivers. It's also what you're able to do or not able to do in some cases by contributing in the run game as well. And even sometimes for the New Orleans Saints as a pass rusher, we've watched them rush the passer with Bradley Roby, with PJ Williams, with the safeties coming out of the slot as well. They did it a ton with CJ Gardner-Johnson. 
that is another part that he would be asked to do if ever taking those slot th- those snaps out of the slot or, or at the nickel position. So those are, are are some of the big, big, big things that I think are are the massive differences. Sorry, I just kind of blacked out for a minute. I just got to talking about football and I was just blah, 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 blah. But um, but I do think that those are some of the bigger differences that take place and kind of the smaller nuances that take place when you talk about a player transitioning from outside corner to the inside, which is one of the reasons why you'll hear many of us tell you, I don't know if the Saints should um, rely on the idea of transitioning a corner from the outside to inside because it's so vastly different that you really want a career guy that has played that position in college that you know has some experience in the NFL. It's one of the reasons why I love the selection of Jordan Howden. Jordan Howden has a, like mad experience in the slot during his time or or at the nickel during his time with Minnesota, and you know that's a, that's something that he's he's ready to do. Smoke Monday, same thing. Bradley Roby, of course, same thing. Bradley Roby learned directly from the guy that kind of helped to invent the, let's say, popularity of the nickel position. He didn't invent the nickel position, but he definitely made it so that, and I'm talking about Chris Harris Jr. Chris Harris Jr., when he was with the Broncos, made the nickel spot something that college athletes looked at and said, I want to play that role, as opposed to it just being a, all right, you're the third best corner on the roster, so you go there. And, you know, that could be Chris Harris Jr. In some cases, you could have argued he was the best corner on that Denver Broncos defense. I know I just made a big claim there, but at certain games and certain moments and things like that, and he was playing in the slot. And I think that that's true for, you know, a couple of other guys that you could look at and highlight that way as well. Like you look at like um, uh, Hinton, uh, Mike Hinton, who used to play with the the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was consistently one of the better secondary players, and he was the guy that played in the slot, but he was a career slot guy. Ugo Amati is a career slot guy. And so, you know, you look at some of these, these folks that the Saints have on the roster, and you go, okay, let the guys that play the position play the position, not necessarily transition. But we've discussed, as we discussed a couple of days ago, there is benefit to Alante Taylor doing this because if ever he's tasked with shadowing a receiver that can move to the inside in the slot or out on the perimeter, the more experience he has at nickel, the more he's able to just move around and the more that Dennis Allen can say, go shut that guy down. And he just follows him wherever he goes. And that's one of the reasons why I think cross training, learning the slot position a little bit, and you're going to get game planned into those moments sometimes, especially when you're a, a man coverage team. So you might as well get the reps, get the opportunities there. All right, y'all coming up on Monday, what are we looking for over on the offensive side when it comes to OTAs, as well as any big news that happens over the weekend? We're all still here actively on Hunter Renfro Watch. It is officially June 2nd, so it is now post-June 1. So could the Raiders be looking to move Hunter Renfro, and could the Saints be in on that action? Las Vegas, some stores are already selling Hunter Renfro's jerseys for 25% off. I doubt the stores know something the NFL doesn't, but something really funny around all that. So we'll see how all that goes. Oh, and before we wrap it up here, let me also give a big shout out to Lee, my boy, who said hi over at Parkway. Help me out with the Poe Boys. Appreciate you, Lee. Thanks so much for all of the support. And thank you all for the support as always, of course, as well. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine. And of course, for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.